When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Courtside with Christy and Gabe on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Network. I am Christy Winter Scott, joined as always by my guy, Gabe Ibrahim. Gabe, listen. There's so much news in women's basketball this week. I mean, I don't know where to start, so I'm going to let you go ahead and, and get things rolling here on courtside. I mean, there's a ton of games. Like, honestly, so I was, I was talk- we were talking before the podcast. My eye is switching. My eye is switching right now. So if you guys notice that, it's because <laughs> I, I haven't slept. Like, there's been too much going on. So I haven't slept very much in the past week and a half. So my eye is twitching, and I need to uh, get some sleep, hopefully tonight, but not right now, because there is... So much going on. There's a ton of stuff that was on her hoop stats at substack.com, which is our newsletter, which you should be following because there's a lot of good stuff that we're going to talk about, including bracketology from Megan Gower. Um, And then you could go on Twitter, follow us at her hoop stats. Our Twitter accounts just popped up at the bottom of the screen or at maybe beforehand. I don't know. Future future Gabe's editing this and make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube or on whatever podcast feed you're listening to us on uh, because there is just a ton of stuff and we're going to be here yeah. Throughout the rest right. of time right. into perpetuity, we'll be doing this podcast on the Herb Stats podcast. Yeah. But I did want I wanted to start with bracketology. Uh, okay. Megan came out with her her bracketology for um, so far this season. So this is on this was two days ago. So mm-hmm. basically through the games until Monday. Yeah, th- through January 10th, she has it. And she has her top 16 seeds. And I found them to be pretty interesting. So her top four seeds, these would be your four one seeds currently, are South Carolina, Stanford, NC State, Louisville. Okay. Nothing crazy. I would say nothing crazy there. I'll read you yeah. off the next four because I think it gets pretty interesting at you at the next five. So we have Tennessee at five, Indiana at six, interesting. Maryland 
at seven, yeah. LSU at eight, UConn at nine, round out the top 10, Iowa State. So in that top 10, I think it's, I think it's very interesting how high Tennessee is. Because um, right. I feel like Tennessee's just kind of been creeping up this year. <laughs> like they, they kind of snuck up on me. Kelly Harper's team, they're really good. They are. I, I'm a little surprised to see them at five. So did anything else stick out to you in that top 10 or you want to talk about Tennessee? No, I, I think also, you know, Arizona, I know they're at 11 on, yes. on Megan's list, but I think I know that they were upset by USC. So mm-hmm. I understand that was their first loss of the year, but I still think they, they should be in that top 10 area. Okay. And, and with Tennessee, I think, you know, I think they've been consistent and I think that's why they've been slowly creeping up under the radar in, in the uh, respective national polls. And Kelly Harper has done a magnificent job. And I don't know about you, but when I watch her coach, there's something about her body language, her persona, her approach with her players that reminds me so much of the late, great, iconic Pat Summit that it is beyond insane. And I saw that with her when, you know, when she was coaching elsewhere but you know just to see her mm-hmm. coaching a Tennessee team I think I, I don't know if that draws it closer to uh the heart there but boy she really reminds me of Pat Summit well and it, it makes sense I mean I think in uh in her book Sum It Up she yeah. Pat calls Kelly her favorite player you know because it <laughs> it's Kelly, her Kelly exactly as a, as a player yeah. that she didn't have to worry about the a lot of the other things with um that yeah. you have to worry about with players and and that makes yeah. sense that she becomes that steps in and becomes a coach of a team that looks like a Pat Summit team. Exactly. Um, and you got to say they're really good. I mean, they have one loss to Stanford, uh, 11 point loss, which, Hey, Stanford's really good. That happens. Right. The wins are pretty good. So we have a win against Virginia tech here. They beat Kansas, um, beat South Florida. Who's a pretty good team. They beat Texas yeah. A&M who was ranked old miss is pretty good. And they, they smoked them. They smoked those last two teams I mentioned. However, they haven't played any of the, the big, you know, they haven't played South Carolina is what I'm trying to say. And that's what I'm waiting for with this team because yeah, they play South, they have UConn and hopefully that game happens. UConn's back in action. Right uh, there. And South Carolina. And then they also have Kentucky, Georgia, the, the rest of the SEC, obviously. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know if there is a possibility that we could get two SEC teams in the top four because currently we have an AC we have two ACC teams there I don't think both ACC teams are going to get into that top four spot if I had to guess at what the top four seeds will be if things go as expected we got South Carolina Stanford the ACC champion and the Big Ten champion right right yeah I think so and I mean yeah I mean you're looking at Indiana right there with with Maryland at six and seven and you know I could easily see those two creeping up as well I mean, Indiana beat Maryland. I know that earlier this season, but the season's a long season. Oh yeah. And, you know, I think that's the first time out of 13 games that Indiana beat Maryland and it was a fantastic game. And Brenda Free said that it was, you know, the experience of Indiana was shining through. And I think that's what's going to carry forward for the Hoosiers. And I think that familiarity with Indiana actually gives them a little bit leg up. Like with all with Indiana, Maryland, Louisville, NC State, we've seen all those teams get to get deep in the tournament. Whereas we haven't seen Tennessee, this group of Tennessee, obviously 
Yes, right. yes I'm, I'm well aware of what Pat Summit did. There, there goes my <laughs> eye twitching, thinking about people telling me that I don't remember Pat Summit. But we've seen those teams do it recently. And I think right. it kind of gives them a bump. But here's the thing, right? If South Carolina were to lose to Tennessee mm-hmm. and they don't, they win, they don't win the double championship. So meaning okay. the regular season and regular. conference uh, tournament championship. Tournament, right. I could see South Carolina still being a top seed because I think regardless, honestly, unless mm-hmm. unless South Carolina completely falls apart, which is not going to happen, they're yeah. going to be a top seed to me at this point. So if someone beats them and wins an SEC championship, whether it is regular season or conference tournament, right? I think we're in line for two SEC teams in the top, and then we're talking about someone else getting bumped off. Bumped out. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think, you know, that's what makes conference play so intriguing, mm-hmm. right? Across the board, not just in the SEC, but across the board, because, you know, there's so many teams that are in the top 16 seats that are, are placed right now by, by Megan that, you know, anything can happen, you know, and with the topsy-turvy cancellations mm-hmm. and all the things going on, there are a lot of other factors that, that, are, that are involved. So I just think it's really it's going to be interesting moving forward to see what this looks like in a couple of weeks, you know, after a couple of teams have played each other once or twice, you know, in conference play. And then of course, down the stretch in February, as you're headed into the tournament and regular season teams being crowned, I think it's going to be really, really contentious, which we love. Right. But -hmm. I think it's going to be really fun to see how things pan out and, and which teams can say the most consistent and the most healthy. I think those two components obviously are going to be uh, key factors. Yeah, no, and, and the healthy, he- healthy now is just like I don't even know what to say at this point. Like, it's UConn not is ankle. Both- it's like ankles and and overall health. Well, it's like UConn. UConn has both problems. They they exactly. somehow picked up both problems, and and now yeah. they're coming back. And you know, I think they play Butler um, coming up, but. You know, and I think you look at the other thing that stood out to me was LSU being ahead of UConn in Arizona. So you mentioned Arizona. Uh, UConn, to me, I've just always assumed they're going to get the benefit of the doubt just because they have so much talent. Um, but it's interesting to see them kind of falling down a lot of lists because they haven't yeah. played and people are projecting yeah. out to say, hey, look, like this team may not have everyone. They may not have the chance to get fully healthy, let alone stay healthy now. Um, right. So LSU is, has been the beneficiary of that. And I think they, mm-hmm. I think LSU personally deserves, oops, drop my phone. I think LSU per, personally deserves to be above UConn and um, Arizona, to be honest. Do you? Yeah. Do you I, I mean, they've, they've been great. I mean, I think from going unranked to start mm-hmm. the season to moving into, you know, top 15 area in, in a lot of the national polls respectively. I mean, I think it's been remarkable to see what's been done early on for LSU. So, yeah, I mean, I think right now on this day, I agree with what you're saying. But I think, as I said, once we really gain some traction and move on through conference play, I think the story is really going to be told. And it's going to be very clear as to, you know, what the top 16 seats will look like. Yeah, no, I think it. I think it will be too. I'm just interested because, like Arizona, to me, I'm gonna look at LSU's. You know, let me see who's that. What's LSU's best win? Is LSU's best win a six point loss against South Carolina? I guess that's because they, they have wins <laughs> against. 
<laughs> the wins against I Georgia, mean, the wins against Texas A&M, those are impressive. Wins a win yeah. against Iowa State, impressive. Missouri State, impressive. Loss at home to FGCU uh, is, is a little worrisome, but FGCU is a really great team. Did I say FSU? I'm an FGCU. Oh, um, FG, yeah, Florida Gulf Coast. With my guy down there, yeah. Mr. Semesco, but go ahead. Uh, and then Arizona, though, I mean, they haven't they haven't beaten almost anyone outside of that Louisville game. I know Louisville's really good, but that was the second game one. of the season. So I don't right. I, I think Arizona might I would pick LSU to go to trend up and, uh, and Arizona trend down a little bit. I mean, the Arizona win over Missouri State. I mean, Missouri State, God bless them. I mean, Amaka, Gugua, they have a couple of key injuries right now. We're talking about health, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, their point guard and their center are both out for the season with injuries. And I mean, you never want to see that. And, you know, they started the season ranked, you know, um, I think they were in the, they were definitely in the top 25. They were hovering around 20 to 25 in that segment of the rankings. But I mean, just to have those devastating injuries, (laughs) I mean, you can't control that obviously, but you just try to, do the best you can. And that's not watering down any kind of victory over, over that team. But I just wanted to put that out there that they were, they were really um, slated to have another great season at Missouri state and, and to have those injuries. That's just tough. That's just tough for them. Missouri state has been to a number of sweet 16. I don't know if they, if that streak is, I don't remember if they made it to sweet 16 last year. I think think they did did when, when Kelly Harper was there before she left for Tennessee. I know they, they, went deep into the tournament like that. I believe it was a sweet 16 run they that made, she had before she left for Tennessee. The last two seasons they've made it to, well, last two tournaments, obviously we do not have a tournament in 2020. With the 2020, yeah. yeah. So the yeah. last two tournaments they've made it to the sweet 16. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you're saying, they, they are dealing with injuries, but. Yeah, which is rough. I mean, they're yeah. t- she's a great coach and they have always, you know, been a great team. So, and a great program. So, you know, healthy, healthy prayers going out that way for them on that. But, in all you know, directions. Back to it. Say it again. To all, all healthy vibes to all teams. Just stay everybody. healthy because we want we want to see good games. But yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, everybody, we're sending it out because wow. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, but I, I going back to LSU, I, I really think that you know, I I could see that you know them trending higher and and maybe Arizona as they get into conference play again. I think that's going to tell. That's the truth teller right there. Like when you mm-hmm. get into playing you know every other day or you know every two three days against top-notch competition that's going to give you a a great test of your character and a great test of your sustainability and I think that's going to be really interesting to watch yeah it's also going to be interesting to see how how much you know losses factor in right because right I mean we see this all the time right like South Carolina is not getting dinged at all from a Missouri loss and I agree with that but let's say LSU loses to Missouri well, now, like, are we now going to say, like, oh, losing to Missouri is, a, in fact, a, a bad thing, or we don't believe you as much. It's like there's a lot of different um, ways to interpret conference play that I think are going to be That's pretty true. interesting down the stretch, especially for, you know, teams like Stanford, teams like South Carolina, where they had yeah. these big non-conference schedules that yeah have, have produced a really great resume heading into conference play. Like, now, how do you – like how do we rate how do we balance those two things i find it really interesting yeah and i think that's what saved south carolina (laughs) is you know is is who they played and and them sitting at number one and you know i 
it's it's not they get a pass per se, but they kind of get a pass. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do. Um, but I mean, we've said it before and, and I'll say it again. I mean, Dawn Staley has just been masterful at what she's been able to do at South Carolina. And not just this year. I mean, just over the course of the time that she's been there and just rebuilding, revamping, and then creating an, an environment there that is so much fun. I mean, just to watch. Oh, yeah. I mean, even if you're not a fan of South Carolina, you're watching that game because you love the game of basketball. You love women's basketball, um, earning the respect of that area and the fans that are there to support it. I mean, come on, you, you can't not love that the right. most. I mean, that's, it's, it's beautiful to watch. And just knowing Dawn, I'm, I'm super proud of her and oh, what yeah. she's been able to do there. And she's a podcaster, just like us. So now I know. I we'll all have the same, <laughs> we'll all have the same qualifications, pod, basketball podcaster. <laughs> I love it. it. It's called Net, Net Life, I believe. Yeah, and, uh, yeah Net Life, so. Net Life, yeah so fun and i you know i was tweeting with her today and she was tweeting back and forth and it was really funny this morning <laughs> but uh yeah kudos to her on that welcome to the pod life that's what she's calling it so hey, as long as you're life. also listening to the court side you can go listen <laughs> to that right. podcast but if you're not there's if you're not listening to the court side <laughs> no other podcasts keep it here we'll let you know there's what room Dante out here for all of us. yeah there's room out here for all of us there's okay. plenty of space there's, in this space fun. Uh, but yeah, so that's bracketology. I just found Megan's take interesting. Um, it is a little different than the other bracketologies I've seen out there. Um, and I'm, I'm, I am interested to see how, it, I mean, I think, like I said, the, the way it's going to shake out for the top four mm -hmm. seeds should be pretty straightforward, but there's a lot of different things that are going to come into play. And I think, you know, this year could yeah. be one of the years where we're, we're pretty angry about who's is seed three, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it could look different. I mean, I mean, we're looking at it today. I'm telling you, it's going to be a shuffle. And, right. you know, I can't wait to see what, what that looks like. But, you know, I, I think Megan was spot on for today and, yes. and what this looks like for, for the top 16 seeds, for sure. And that's what she was doing it for, for today. <laughs> Not necessarily what it's going to be, because we obviously have a lot, we all have, we all have sorting to do oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. with a lot of conferences that are I don't, I mean, exciting is one way to put it. Confusing is another way to put it. <laughs> um, I think the, the next place I want to take you to is a, a conference I find extremely confusing. It is your, well, it's not your conference because you played in the ACC. I did. Like, like a good Maryland Turpin should. Oh. But <laughs> they're now in the Big Ten. And you obviously yeah. cover the Big Ten for the Big Ten Network. Yeah. Uh, I'm deeply confused as my eye twitch because should tell you, I'm deeply confused by the big time. So Northwestern beats Iowa, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Iowa then gets crushed. Oh, no, sorry. Northwestern then gets crushed by Ohio State, okay? Right. Ohio yeah. State got crushed by Michigan, okay? Yeah. Michigan yeah. got crushed by Nebraska, right? Yeah. And then Nebraska lost to Iowa. Yeah. And so now we're full circle with the middle <laughs> of this conference. Not to mention the struggles that we mentioned with Maryland last week, how good Indiana is. Right. But Indiana yeah. could be beat certainly. Like mm -hmm. the, I think they're uh, they, they have some they have some reasonable concerns that could make them yeah uh, susceptible to an upset. So I don't know. Like help me make. Oh, I didn't even mention Purdue and Michigan State. P Purdue and Michigan State have no idea mm -hmm. what to do with these teams. So <laughs> just like help me make sense of the way you think of this conference, right? So I think we probably have Maryland, Indiana up top. But then what? 
then chaos. I mean, at this it's point, crazy. I mean, it's just topsy-turvy in the Big Ten is, is putting it mildly. I, I just think, I mean, we saw this coming into the season, I believe, with, you know, four teams returning from a Sweet 16 run in Indiana with an Elite Eight run and with everyone basically returning everyone. So mm -hmm. it was basically like, okay, let's run this back. And we've seen that. It's like, it's like pickup, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you, you're at the park all day and you run it back. And, you know, the team that, that stays wins it all and they stay on all day. Mm -hmm. But it's not like that. It's like the teams are rotating through on, hey, run it back. Hey, you guys are in now. And then now we'll run it back. And now teams are beating one another. And I think that's the vibe of the Big Ten right now is that, you know, night in and night out, you just don't know who's going to be playing at mm -hmm. their best that night. And I think you've got to bring your best game. And, and that just goes to show that, when that ball is falling through the net, things change. And I think, you know, for Iowa in particular, I mean, in that Northwestern game, they were not shooting the ball well at all. And then in the Nebraska game, I was out there for that one. Can I just tell you that McKenna Warnock was six of seven from three in that game? Unreal. And one of them, I swear, she was like, she had her heels on the logo and pulled. <laughs> and that thing went straight down. I was like, okay, you know what? I mean, when that shot is falling and when those shots are falling, and I'm talking threes because I think the teams that have found success have found the bottom of the net from range. Oh, yeah. But I think, you know, when those shots are not falling, they have trouble, you know, especially when they rely on a chunk of their mm -hmm. offense coming from that area of the floor. So, I mean, I think that's been a trend in the Big Ten. Like, okay, if those shots are going down, then, okay, you're going to probably win the game. Um, and if you can play defense and, and push people off that three-point line and make it difficult and be disruptive, that changes the game. But also it helps to have, um, you know, players like uh, at Northwestern. Oh, help me out. Who's help me about? out. Veronica Burton? Yes, please. Uh, Veronica <laughs> Burton had the eight steals in that game. I was going to say Lindsay Pulliam because I've been I so know, I know, her yeah. for four years. <laughs> yeah. And that's I say Northwestern and that name pops up right away. But Veronica Burton, I mean – two-time defensive player of the year in the conference. I mean, just ridiculous. Three times, three times. I mean, go ahead and just chalk it up for this year. I mean, who has eight steals in one game? Who does that? I mean, she was just um, just alert and just amazing with her anticipation skills. She said that, you know, they had all that time off, probably had only one practice before mm -hmm. that Iowa game. But she said that she watched the previous games with Iowa like five times, you know, over that gap of time. So she was studying and anticipating and got in that game and was like a whirlwind <laughs> and just got eight steals. And I mean, when you have that kind of defensive pressure, that makes those shots more difficult to fall. And that's what happened with Iowa. Well, it's like, you can't, it's so hard for Northwestern. Like you were taught, you were saying like, Oh, you know, you, you teams need to make their shots. I feel make shots. I have a good time. Yeah. I feel like yeah. Northwestern does not care about making shots. Like it's <laughs> like the last thing on their priority list because they the, want stops. They yeah. want the, the blizzard defense. I, I, blizzard. Spent, a lot, I spent a lot of yeah. time like trying to figure it out. I still don't know. Mm -hmm. I watched like four mm -hmm. videos on that. I have no idea what's going on. But yeah. I do know Veronica Burton has to be the brains of the operation. So her watching all that film was huge for them. I, I think that's yeah. those sorts of things. Actually, when you have these unfortunate breaks, right. your team can get better. It seemed like Northwestern did. And those eight steals were the yeah. most by any player against a power five team this year so no one yes. has done that this year and she was she was amazing both ends i mean i thought she 
was just unbelievable. And I think it really threw Iowa for a loop. But yeah. I think that's why this conference is so confusing. Yes. Every team is just wildly different in both strategy, yeah. talent, and the ways they're trying to the ways they're trying to get to you on both ends of the court. I mean, you have a team like Maryland, right? Um, that mm-hmm. they want to push the pace, they they wanna yeah. they wanna move the ball fast. But then you got other teams that are trying and Iowa falls into the moving fast category, and you have other teams like yes. Indiana who don't they they're desperately trying to slow the ball down and northwestern is too so it's like i feel like that is pro i I don't know uh, if there's a conference that's more challenging in that regard for coaches in that you have to prepare for such different strategies each game yeah no i that's that's very true and then when we're talking about the northwestern iowa game it's like Caitlin Clark for Iowa. She had 30 points. She had 30 points in that game, but they were all in the first three quarters. She didn't score in the fourth quarter. So it's she like did, she did. She did get. She scored on the crowd. Oh, oh well. Yeah. <laughs> she, did. yeah. she did. She that did. She did. That was. But I mean, when when a kid like that, like she can manufacture offense, you know, mm-hmm. so easily, even against you know some staunch defense, you know, and I, I just think you know, that's, that's kind of the conundrum as well. It's like, yeah, you know what you're going to get with Northwestern with their blizzard defense, but then Clark can put up 30 and three quarters on that, but they lose, right? Iowa loses that game. But I mean, the fact that she can still do that, um, knowing that, you know, you want to make her uncomfortable and she stays comfortable. That's, (laughs) that's, that's a, a, you know, that's a conundrum. And I just think, you know, it, it's across the board, I, I believe, in that way with with so many players in the oh, yeah. conference. And, you know, for Nebraska, you know, to rattle off 12 wins to start the season. And then, you know, they've lost to Michigan State and now to Iowa. I, it's I don't know. I, I think they definitely need to be ranked with how they're playing. Jazz Shelley for yeah. Nebraska is a player that we need to be talking about a lot more. Do you understand me? She is so tough game. Like what a difference maker she's been for Amy Williams. And so, but is, but Nebraska is not going to be ranked now because we live in the, you know, we've said before, it's what have you done for me lately? And their last game, I believe their last game, I didn't miss one. Yeah. The last game's a loss to Iowa. They've lost two of the last three. Now it's like before, before new year's where we were saying, Hey, they need to be ranked. There's no reason why they should not be ranked. And, but well, yeah, I know, but they're not going to be. Also, ja- just to point, j- just to put a, a Jazz Shelley has a thirty-four per, which folks, that's uh, uh that's real good. That's that's, really <laughs> good. that's that's quite. Yeah, good. she's so tough, man. I, you know, yeah, she's she's going to be she's going to be fantastic there. And I think, you know, just knowing what Nebraska looked like last year without her, mm-hmm. and what they look like now, I mean, she has changed everything about their tempo. And their toughness, you know, those are the two things that I've seen with her addition to the team. Well, luckily, the road gets so much easier for Nebraska. They go at Indiana, at Iowa. <laughs> so, good luck, Huskers. Okay, it's a yeah. That, we're talking about running back, right? With uh, with Iowa, that's going to be a goodie. Oh, you were, you were you were in Lincoln, right? I was, and I'm going to be in in um, in Iowa on Sunday. Oh yeah, back yeah, back the, 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 the rematch. The rematch. <laughs> So I got to get my neck stretched out because that game was like oh, super yeah. fast. It was fun. 
No, it, it, it's a great, it's been a great style to watch from mm-hmm. all these teams. I mean, I, I really have enjoyed a lot of the Big Ten basketball, especially if you, if you enjoy what Indiana produces, then I think you're going to really, really yeah. like this. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that, that's, that's the team's kind of at the top. But then, I, like I mentioned, like, I don't know how good Purdue, I mean, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. Like, like we mentioned with Bracketology, yeah. we'll mention here at the Big Ten. We're going to find out. But if you yeah. had to guess, like Purdue and Michigan State, are, yeah. like are these teams NCAA tournament caliber? I think so. Oh, I thought you were going to say or something else. That's why I waited. I usually say or something <laughs> or else, not. but then I didn't, I didn't have a good thing to say. I was going to say or not, but I was like, oh, she'll get it. She'll get it. <laughs> That's fine. why I've waited. I was like, wait. Oh, okay. Um, but no, I, I think they have, I think they have it in them. I, I think they need to obviously show consistency moving forward through conference play. I think when Michigan state lost to Florida Gulf coast, um, mm-hmm. you know, that was a tough one, but you know, Nia Cloud had 50 points in that game. <laughs> so uh, it's back. almost like, I mean, Caitlin Clark had 30 in a loss. So it's like, and then Nas Hillman, when she had 50 against Ohio State, they lost that game. So I don't know. It's like, you know, we see these fantastic individual performances, um, which is great. And yeah. I think it's much needed and it can help you, uh, uh, you know, moving forward in, in conference play. But I think for both Purdue and Michigan State, I think they need to show consistent play mm-hmm. um like across the board for the team not just from you know their respective top players i think they need to show like team consistency offensively and defensively um, moving forward through the conference because as we said as the teams that we've mentioned already you know that's that's a tough road ahead you know but i, I think that they could definitely make um postseason appearances but they have to at least go 500 in a conference yeah minimum minimum well, and they're no. there. They're two and two, and con- both those teams are two and two. They're actually right. tied with Nebraska. And like, I'm gonna, I, you know, I, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm not right in thinking. Oh, uh, yeah, North Michigan State has some really bad losses. I forgot about some of these losses earlier in the season. Um, yeah. So maybe they're not. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where we're going with Michigan. They could State. go. They could. They could go if they get some conference. You know, if they can do well in this conference. You know, because it's it's so tough. I think that they could. You know, maybe manufacture it some kind of seeding in the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't see why not. But I also, you know, I could see them just completely falling apart and not, and not being close to 500 in conference because of how good and weird the conference is, right? Because it is. you have, even at the bottom of, of this list of teams, we have Rutgers, you know, no CV even sugar this year. It's, it's been tough, but yeah. But I don't know, they could get it together. It's not like this team last year, was was pretty good and it's not you know that different right. of a team you have minnesota shouts to carly theba oh, oh. <laughs> carly theba uh for winning her first game as interim coach now the best interim coach in the uh yeah. the Tebow family uh yeah. because eric lost both his games um <laughs> unfortunately shouts to eric i'm i'm not laughing eric no listen He's fine. They got the number one pick because of it. So they, you know what they did. And, you know, I love that family so much. And I love that um, Mike Tebow, the head coach at with the Washington Mystics and Eric Tebow, the associate head coach. And, you know, with Carly coaching and standing in for Lindsay Whalen, who had an appendectomy. Mm -hmm. So hopefully she's doing well with that. Um, But I just think that it was such a great opportunity, but Mike Tebow has always said that Nancy Tebow, 
mm-hmm. his wife is the true coach in that family. So I love that too. So <laughs> yeah. shout out to all of them. I love the Tebows. And uh, it was so cute. They gave, um, they gave Carly a, a water bath in, water the, <laughs> in the locker room, which was sure. great. I'm not sure we should be doing that, but it's fun, guys. Just keep going. And it's exciting. I mean, you know, that was so, fun for her. I'm sure it was a moment. But yeah, so to, to put a bow on the Big Ten, uh, the ACC, I mean, sorry, ESPN, ESPN's bracketology, not Megan's, has seven Big Ten teams in. So it'd be second most tied with the ACC behind uh, the 10 SEC teams projected to get in. 10 SEC, te- all right, we only need to talk more about South Carolina. We- <laughs> <laughs> um, but right. seven teams in would be interesting. That would yeah. exclude some of the teams we mentioned, but Oh, I, I could see. Let's see if Ohio State's here. I'm pretty sure Ohio State would be. Yeah, Ohio State's on here for them. So I'd say that's yes. probably the floor of the, of the conference getting into the tournament. But it'll right. be interesting. And then, um, all right, I'm going to list off a bunch of games. You let me know which ones uh, okay. people should definitely, definitely watch. We have Michigan State versus okay. Ohio State tonight. Uh, you should probably listen to this after that game happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, Thursday... We have Nebraska at Indiana, Iowa at Purdue. That's on Thursday. Both those games are probably going to be pretty good. Sunday Great. is the biggie. We have yes. we have your game, Nebraska at mm-hmm. Iowa, which everyone wants to watch because Chris is doing it. Um, <laughs> but if you have time throughout the day, you have Indiana at Purdue, Northwestern at Michigan State, Michigan at Maryland. That's huge. Okay. Tell, why should I believe in Michigan? Nas Hillman. Okay. Uh, I, you know, and even with that being said, Gabe, it's like, just like I said earlier, when I was thinking of Lindsey Pulliam for Northwest, it's like, you say Michigan and you say Nas Hillman. I think also, I mean, Leah Brown is, I mean, she is amazing. Right. And when, when Nas Hillman fouled out of that game earlier this year, and it was, I was right before the overtime session. And Leah Brown just took over. Mm-hmm. In years past, I don't know if they would have been able to win a game like that. And, you know, they beat Baylor. And that was like a, a run it back game because Baylor knocked them out of the tournament last year in the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they were able to do that without Nas Hillman on the floor in that five-minute overtime session, I think that, that says a lot about why you should believe in this Michigan team because it isn't just Nas Hillman and everybody else. It's a team game, and I think that they have really displayed that. And Kim Burns Arico has done a, a tremendous job as well. I mean, just to be able to to show that it's not just Nas Hillman, right? I mean, she's a phenomenal player. She's Player of the Year last year for a reason, and you know she's chomping at the bit to get that again. I'm sure, you know, uh, for Michigan fans. But I think this the overall balance that the team has now. You know, they have some outside scoring. And they have some relief for Nas Hillman inside. I, I just on both sides of the ball in that regard. But I think they're really more balanced this year. And that's why you should believe. But I think that game against Maryland is really going to be a true test for, for that balance that yeah. Michigan presents. And, well, you know, Maryland now without Faith Masonis, unfortunately, out with that knee injury, which I still can't process properly. Um, this is really upsetting. But I think uh, it's it's going to be a challenge for Maryland now with um, not as much depth. Michigan mm-hmm. has a little bit more depth um, on their on their team and on their roster. 
So I think it's going to be a, a good game to watch for sure, just to see what that looks like for them. Well, and Amy Dilk is back too for Michigan. She is. That's a so big it'll be game. a third third game back, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Or it'll yeah. be our fourth game back because they play Penn State on Thursday. Yeah, and she and only then, played one minute in the first game yeah. of the season and got hurt. So having right. her back's huge, and that that was a concern we had for Michigan was their depth. I think yeah. you're right. They're they're rounding out a bit. Um, I I think. Yeah, you know, we're 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 Maryland. You know, we we pay attention to Maryland more acutely. Than, <laughs> but I think Maryland should win this game going away. Frankly, I, I just don't see like I, if Maryland wants to be at the place that we think they are in this conference, they got to put this Michigan team away because I think they have not only more talent, I think they have strategic advantages like we were talking about. However, mm-hmm. sure, not someone could go off. Sure, Leah Brown could go off. Amy Dilk could have a, a, a breakout game for this season. Not that she hasn't had those mm-hmm. in the past, but for this season, she could come back and finally feel healthy. And now the calculus has changed. So right. that's going to be a biggie for, for seeing where this conference is going to be. And I agree. That's the one that I'm circling. Although I, I am really excited for Nebraska, Iowa uh, yeah. round two. The, the rematch. I know it. And I just think, you know, going back to the Maryland game, I, I yeah. think with Diamond Miller being back, yeah, I just think she's gaining more and more confidence, more and more strength. I know, you know, after the last game, she was just saying, like, I'm not anywhere near where I want to be. And I'm like, you were excellent. <laughs> like, you were great. But players know, you know what I mean? Like what their what their cardio feels like, what their bodies feel like recovery wise. So, I mean, they know best. But I mean, the eye test, I'm like, she looks great. <laughs> like, she doesn't look fatigued. She doesn't look like. You know, she's missing a step. She did say that, you know, some of her reads and, and reactions were a little slow mm-hmm. and some of the passes that she wanted to make didn't get to where she wanted them to go and some turnovers. I think she was more talking about maybe her rhythm on yeah. the court not being right where she wanted it to be. And that's going to come for her. I mean, she's in, you know, obviously playing in games. She's in full speed and practices too. So that's going to help her with that kind of rhythm. But I just think having her back, I think that's that's going to be a challenge for Michigan just because of her length and her explosiveness in transition, number one. But I also think defensively, she's just so long and lanky. And, and, you know, I think she changes what Maryland looks like with her back on the floor. Yeah. And and the other thing that's been big, too, since that Indiana game, uh, we we got on Maryland uh, for that one was, you know, they, they, they looked not only uh, more competent in their last two, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously Penn State and Minnesota stepped down in competition, but the the pace, especially against Penn State, was where this team needed to be. Their highest yeah. pace of the season. Like they they needed to be, they need to be pushing that ball. And I think a lot of that comes from having more bodies. Obviously, faith going down is a big deal because yeah. you don't have that depth. Yeah. You can't go as fast for as much, but you can still you can still push. You can still push. Right. I think this team is gonna get back to it. Um and we'll see. I mean, you know, the the speed should kill in, in this game. Maryland should Maryland speed, the, the pace of the game um, mm-hmm. should favor Maryland, but they need to get it up to there um, first because you've seen them struggle to, to get the pace where they wanted to against good defensive opponents, which Michigan is. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. But we'll see. I'm, I'm excited for that one. I don't think I might go to that one because it's supposed to snow. Oh, my God. My oh, God. it's supposed to snow? Yeah, it's supposed to snow on Sunday. Oh, right. You're going to be in Iowa. Darn it. Darn it. Well, well, hopefully I get back sometime this month. So we'll see. Like I've told you, <laughs> stranded is, Iowa City. <laughs> stranded's a mindset. Oh, no. 
<laughs> let's not put that out there let's take that right back out of the atmosphere like we don't need to be no, stuck anywhere. you'll be fine <laughs> the, the good people of iowa know how to deal with the snow <laughs> they do they do that's a good thing good. uh i'm sure there'll be snow on the ground iowa i i, I don't know i suppose my uh, emily told me that my wife she was like you can't okay. go to that game because it's gonna snow i was like okay oh um, no I'll listen to your wife oh that's sweet uh, newlywed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no no no, that's gonna, that's gonna be the one thing that continues. I listen. That's that's a good thing. I'm telling you, I, I mean, I'm married for a reason. I listen well. It's uh, a good deal. Speaking of people who are married, actually, is Sue Bird married? We're gonna talk about Sue Bird. I, yes, it's, sure. I, is Sue's married, right? I don't know. I don't think she's married yet. They're oh, okay. engaged. I don't. Yeah, I don't think she's married yet. Am I, am I right? She's not married yet. No, they're, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they may have kept that close to their chest. Yeah. They got if engaged. They are. I mean, Candace Parker got married and we didn't know for two we years. I mean, so we don't know. <laughs> Congrats <laughs> to Candace. That's my girl now. Candace we... Parker. All right. That was, I know uh, Candace has done a lot of really, really impressive things in her career. Yeah. Getting married as Candace Parker and not having anyone find out for two years may be the most impressive thing I've ever heard. Perfect. that for me too mark that down boom that was that was yeah that was a jaw dropper i was like wait what and i was like yay you know i yeah nobody knew i mean some people knew but kudos to all her friends and family who knew and didn't say a word that's not one word that's great friends and keep, great family keep no hashtags up. like candace is married you yeah. know what i mean like it was really, really, that was really cool. And she yes. did it on her own time, you know? Honestly, and that makes me- world of social media. I'm surprised, yeah. yeah. That was it makes though. me believe in her uh, coaching slash GM abilities because I feel like that's one of the biggest <laughs> things that a GMs or coach has to do now is to keep keep right. things from leaking out. Um, yeah. So that, that should go on a resume. Back yeah. to Sue Bird, the other Bird. Uh, stalwart of the WNBA. She's coming back. Yeah. This is going to be yeah. season 19? Season 19? Yeah, this 19. is 19. 19, she be 41. Uh, I saw a tweet that said she was the third oldest player in WNBA history. I can't find it anymore, so I can't confirm it. I know she's a second, because as we talked about before coming on, Nancy Lieberman played at 50, which... She did. I don't... She understand. played at 50. I, you know, professionally against people 30 years younger than her. But she no. was out there. She had her headband on. <laughs> Listen, she was running, honey. She was playing. I watched I, it. She was out there. Uh, ra- rather impressive. It's going to be impressive to see Sue Bird. I mean, obviously we knew she had uh, enough of the tank to come back yeah. after last season. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people expect her to retire. I didn't, but I'm going to be talking about this on a podcast with Kevin Pelton tomorrow. So Chrissy, what were your, what was your reaction to all of it? And did you expect it to happen? I did not think she was going to come back. Okay. I honestly did not think she was going to come back. And that's in the most respectful way. Um, I just thought that after winning her fifth gold medal mm-hmm. and, you know, so many championships in the WNBA, I, I just thought that it would be it. And the fact that when she was being interviewed with Diana Taurasi after Phoenix beat them uh, in the playoffs and the whole crowd was saying one more year, yeah. one more year. And she's like, nah, I just thought, you know, I'm sure that was like a, a knee jerk reaction in that moment because you know it was that moment mm-hmm. but diana Taurasi was like yeah tell her come on you know and the fact that she said yeah i'm gonna come back and do it again 
man, that game has a loud voice, doesn't it? Come on back, Sue. Hey, Sue, <laughs> come on back. And she's playing. And so, I mean, I, I was surprised that she did um, because I don't know what else she has to prove in the game. I think she's just, she loves I don't know. And, but the fact that she is passionate enough to be disciplined to play at that level, I, I respect it. You know, I'm not mad at her. I mean, <laughs> my God, if you can do it, by all means do it. She knows what it takes to play at that level. And, and like I said, to be disciplined, to train, to be at that level. So kudos to her. But I was, I was surprised because I'm like, you have nothing else to prove to anyone, right? Um, even herself. I mean, I don't think she has to prove anything to herself no. either, other than let me try to do it for year 19. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the extra level of, uh, you know, fire that she needed to, to say yes to it. I wonder how, like, I, I wonder how many athletes, and I thought, let's like a, talk about this with Richard on the podcast the last week. I don't know if that's like a big factor for athletes retiring. You know, I, I, I you know, we always think about it because I think that's, that's something we think, I don't know. I don't know. Cause I, I haven't seen many athletes say, well, you know, I have nothing more to prove. I feel like the reason people retire is there. They don't want to do it. Like I remember Isaiah Thomas, um, he was talking on NBA TV one time about mm -hmm. when he knew it was time to hang it up. And he was like, yeah. I was in bed in the hotel and I didn't <laughs> yeah. want to go to practice. And that was yeah. it. And I feel yeah. like that is more like, you don't know until it's time to go to yep. practice, to the game, to the state, to the press conference day, And you're like, I really just don't want to do this. Yeah. I feel like that's when they retire. Cause I don't know. I mean, you're right. Sue does not need to prove anything to anyone. And that's been yeah. true for, I don't know, like, honestly, a like 10 while. years, <laughs> like exactly. a, a decade. Yeah. And it's like, she, she hasn't had anything to prove. She has plenty of stuff going on outside of the court to, to yeah. keep her going. Um, yeah. I think it's just, you know, cliche, but love of the game and, and yes. wanting to have that chance at a title. Um, it signals to me some things I'll talk about tomorrow a little bit more, but it signals to me that there's big things on the horizon for Seattle. It seems like, you know, if Sue's coming back, well, why wouldn't Sue come back? Why wouldn't Jewel come back? Why wouldn't, they? you know, that whole core come back and try to win another title? Cause right. when those three players have been healthy in the playoffs, they have they've never lost. Right. So. That's true. I, I just think, you know, with, with Sue, like what you were talking about with retirement, my mom always says like, make sure when you retire, you retire to something. Mm -hmm. She has so many things, you know, <laughs> that she could retire to, like Richie said. But I just think that, you know, the challenge is there for her. I mean, she sees LeBron James out there, you know, in his 19th season doing it, you know, and I just think for her, I, I know it's all, I mean, maybe that's, she's not encouraged by that. I don't know. But I just think that when she, when she will know is when she will know. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with, with us or anybody else. No. And I, I remember when, when Grant Hill said that he knew that it was time for him to retire, he was warming up in the layup line and he went up to dunk it or something like that and came down funny and his knee was not right. Mm -hmm. and he did some like minor damage to his knee in the layup line and before a game <laughs> and he said 
that's when I knew that it was like, I can't, like, first, really, like, I'm not even in the game yet. Yeah. Like, we're not even like in the third quarter or something, like layup line for real. So that was when he knew. So, I mean, your body's going to tell you too. Like, your mm-hmm. mind is always going to say you're going to play. I don't care how old you get or whatever you're going through. Your body's going to say, yeah, go ahead out there and play. <laughs> but then your body is going to betray you sometimes, you know, like Grant said in the layup line and say like, dude, like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like that, that's it. And, you know, I think he played until he was 41 yeah, and, and I Sue know. is 41. So man, again, you never know, but kudos to her for, for wanting to go out there yeah. and, and do that. Uh, you know, I appreciate the, the boldness of that statement. I appreciate the boldness of her character. Oh yeah. To to keep to to want to go and play. So it's still in her to play. So so play by all means and have fun. And you know, I feel like she could just say, I'm going for year 20 next year too. I mean she's in great, <laughs> she's in great shape. Like great shape. Yeah. Takes care of her body really well. Yeah. You know, n- not too many major injuries to speak of. No. Yeah. Um I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not just one more year. Um, all right, but quick quick uh news things that i want your reaction to uh right. first one is something that i just saw on twitter cheryl reeve promoted katie smith to associate head coach hey, so she'll be I'm in charge so of the assistant staff which is planette pearson and rebecca brunson so full former player as as, yeah. it, as was the case last year just katie getting uh, a boost to associate head coach i love that i love that first of all i love katie you know i got to know her really well when she played mm-hmm. for the mystics years ago and um, she knew um, our kids when they were tiny, wee little, and oh my God. So we have a lot of memories, but, um, but just a great person and, and more than ready. Obviously she was head coach in New York and then now back with, with Cheryl Reeve, who was um, assistant coach with um, Bill Embiid and, and Rick Mahorn mm-hmm. with uh, the Detroit Shock when they won championships. So I, I just, I love that connection and I love how, you know, coaches continue to take care of their players you know, who, who want to coach. And I I love that. So congrats, Katie. She's listening. It's a great pipeline that Cheryl Reed is going to have because now absolutely it's pretty easy to hire someone when they have the success and coaching behind one of the greatest coaches. And she's, yeah, it's been a really good um, initiative that she's put in place of getting former, not only women, but former players and, and people who can step into head coaching roles. Um, the other, so the other news that I saw, so Rachel Galligan is, um, reporting that Stephanie White is among the finalists for the Phoenix Mercury head coaching job, um, which we should find out about within the next three days because free agency starts in three days. Um, Wow. So that has to be wrapped up pretty soon. And then women's basketball 24 seven is reporting that there are four finalists, um, it's Stephanie White, Teresa Witherspoon, Natalie. Oh God, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. And Vanessa Nygaard. And Vanessa Nygaard. Okay. Well, let me say she that. played at Stanford. Yes. I never. I think. Heard. I think oh. Vanessa Nygaard played at Stanford. I believe. Am I, I wrong? Yes. Uh, okay. I believe she. Yeah, I, I think she did. Um, sorry. Okay. This is. I'm. I'm looking up Natalie Nakas. Nak- Nakasi, I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name. I will come back with the correct pronunciation next <laughs> next week. But I've never heard, I haven't heard of her because she's an assistant coach with the Agua Caliente 
Clippers in the G League, and she um, was pre- she was previously with the Clippers as an assistant coach. Interesting name. She um, she played for UCLA when I was five years old, so that's why. Oh, wow. I, <laughs> I oh see, and that means I should know her, and I'm struggling because she, I, you know East Coast West Coast thing. I don't. I, she, uh, she I don't know her. Game. Yeah, I don't okay. know her either. But interesting name to be out there. Obviously, the uh, like St- Stephanie White has long yeah. history. Uh, Indiana Fever head coach. I believe yeah. she went to the finals one year. She um, did. Yeah, she went. To, she coached the team in the finals. with coach of Vanderbilt. Um, yeah. And then Vanessa Nygaard is currently. Uh, where Where is she right now? Uh, she with Vegas. She with Las Vegas. She, she on okay. Berlin Beer. Well, perhaps not. I don't know. I don't know. Las Vegas yeah. is still really confusing. I don't know what's so happening. She was. Yeah. She was on. Uh, Bill Ampier staff in Las Vegas and like you said attended Stanford from 1993 to 1998 I don't need to tell you Teresa Witherspoon's do I need to go over Mm -hmm. Teresa Witherspoon's resume I don't think oh I mean I think everyone knows about Teaspoon (laughs) and you know she's with the Pelicans now in the NBA as an assistant coach and so wow some great names there and like you said it's going to be probably done by the end of the week Mm -hmm. so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out it has to happen by the end of the week. I mean, they have. It has to. Yeah, the free agency, man. They've gone to the end of the wire here. <laughs> waiting to hire a new head coach, but that'll yeah. be done. Uh, interesting four names, and that'll mean that we are going up in percentage for women coaches for women's coaches in women's basketball in the WNBA. Uh, I'm not going to do the rough count in my head, but I think Jackie Powell had an article about why there are more why there are more female head coaches in the WNBA uh and it's because of what stuff like Cheryl Reeve is doing in Minnesota that her whole staff Mm -hmm. is female her um and the people that she's creating a pipeline for are women so that's that it is going to be interesting if those four are really the only four names involved we're getting another female head coach in WNBA I love it I love it and I think you know the opportunities are there and I think that's what Mm -hmm everyone has been talking about for years, you know, women need to be the ones making the decisions. And when that happens, more women are earning opportunities, right. Mm -hmm. To be involved. And I think that has really changed the the scope of things for women who want to be professional coaches, whether it's in the NBA or the WNBA. I I just think that it's, you know, it's time, you know, for, for the opportunities to be created that way for us. (laughs) <laughs> I think I think we're getting there. I think we're getting there. So it's going to so. be interesting, and then we'll see what happens with Sue Bird whenever she retires. I'm sure she'll be on this market too, and we'll be talking about her as a potential uh, head coach. So yeah. uh, that's uh, that's all I got. I mean, we could talk all day. I'm actually going to go watch the Iowa State Kansas State game from yesterday because I heard it was pretty crazy. Okay. Um, I want to get want to get a good look at Ashley Jones and uh, Ayoka Lee, who are draft prospects. So that's what yes. I'm doing with the rest of my day. But uh, <laughs> otherwise, I don't know. A lot of women's basketball. We'll be back. Um, I don't. I, next week, I don't know. We'll figure out what yeah. we're going to do because I'm sure something crazy is going to happen this weekend. Yeah, with the free agency. Oh my gosh! Always a blast. Chopped oh my god, we have cores. I'm sorry. I just oh wait, remembered. what? Come on back. Come on. No, back. we uh, there. So I'm. So, I did want to mention one thing before we get on court. Get, get off court side. Oh, we're uh, about to cut the lights out. I, I was, we were about to do uh, <laughs> Rachel Galligan reported that, well, uh, this might be on the transactions list, but okay. Rachel Galligan reported that uh, the 
son have core Jonquil Jones, so she cannot negotiate with other teams. Yeah, so it's on. It's official, official, official. Nice. The Connecticut Sun core Jonquil Jones, so she there cannot negotiate with other teams, making it more likely that she would be back in Connecticut. Of course, she could force her way out through a trade, like we saw Natasha Howard do last year. That's not expected to happen at the moment. No. We'll see. That's yeah. that was the last thing I got. Oh, that's all right. But that's good news, though. John Paul Jones, we love to see it. And I know uh, the Connecticut Sun fans are excited, too. But (laughs) we have more women's hoops in front of us. And that is going to be exciting to continue to chop it up with you guys next week about the free agency and the WNBA and obviously all the great things going on at the NCAA level and those top 16 seeds. We're going to see what they look like as conference play proceeds. But for right now, we're going to cut the lights out on us. We don't have to go home, but we got to get up out of here, Gabe. It has been a blast, as usual, sitting courtside with you, my friend, on this edition of Courtside with Christy and Gabe on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Network. We will see you next time.